So I've got a word. I've got a word today that I, th- I believe that God has laid on my heart for the last couple of weeks. And um, the title of my message is The Love of God. It's all about the love of God. And, you know, coming into this Christmas season, we can get so caught up in presents and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with all of that, you know, with the festivities and, you know, let's go down to a Christmas market. I mean, these are great things to do. I believe there's a good one down in Port Solent, although that's okay if you want to get crushed, apparently. And, um, no, (laughs) don't bother, don't bother, you know. But um, there's Christmas trees, there's mince pies, there's Brussels sprouts, there's all these good things, you know, relating around Christmas. And um, something that I actually do quite like is Christmas cards. I like getting Christmas cards. Um, It's always nice, you know, when somebody slips something through your door. And the one one scripture that I really enjoy getting in my Christmas card comes from Isaiah 9, verse 6, which says this, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And you see that... Everywhere you go, you know, those words are are, are repeated, and that's wonderful. But I want to read it from the New Testament, because the New Testament says it like this. The New Testament says it like this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. And the foundation, the, 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 the actual foundation of the birth of Jesus Christ, the motivation of God, is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His motivation is God's love. And I want to I take this message slowly today. I don't want to rush through something. I want us to, to look at this with fresh eyes. Dry eyes as well. Because <laughs> you know what? There's a saying that says, if it's old to you, it's not real to you. And I, I, I'm so aware that sometimes, you know, we can read scriptures and we, oh, yeah, I know that. John 3.16, John 3.16, everyone knows John 3.16. But I want us to look at it with fresh eyes. And I want you to take this message very personally today. This message is for all of us. And I want you to take it very personally. And so that scripture again, Johnny, sorry, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved you. Let that sink in. Sila, pause. Think about that. If you were the only person on this planet, God would have sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth in a manger as a baby, humbling himself, became a man, walked this earth, and went to the cross to die for your son. If you were the only person on this earth, he would have done it. And, you know, in preparing this message, I was thinking about my first Christmas after I got saved. I got saved in September of 91. And I remember my first Christmas in December of 91. And the awe that I felt at that Christmas time. Just the awe of God's love that first Christmas. You know, for 30, 
I was 32 when I got saved, so now you all know how old I am, okay? <laughs> You've worked it out. But I was 32 when I got saved. And um, for 32 years, I had celebrated Christmas without knowing Jesus as my Savior. And I'd gone through all the motions, you know, and I'd party, party, and all this rubbish. And, um, but for 32 years, I did that. But for the last 31, 32 years now, um, I've been celebrating Christmas. I've been celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I was so, that first Christmas, I was so in awe of God's love that he could love me despite my mistakes, despite my mess-ups, despite my failures, despite everything that I had done wrong. <laughs> Despite the fact that I was actually in Adam and not in Christ, he loved me. And to this day, that message is still the same. For God so loves you. For God so loves me. His message doesn't change. The scripture says in Malachi 3.6, he says, I am the Lord, I do not change. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So 30-odd years ago, when I first came to a realization of the love of God, it still stands today. So this year, 2022, can wake up on Christmas morning. Thank you, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you so loved me, God, that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. And God's the fact that God never changes, he never changes, means that he can love us at our worst. Even on our worst day, he can love us. In our darkest hours, when we've done the worst things, God still, his love still remains. And I was just thinking of some of the scriptures that really sort of resonated with me in my early days and to this day continued as I was just sort of meditating on them in the last week or so. And just listen, allow these scriptures just to wash over you. But this is what God thinks of you. This is what God thinks of you. He says, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. That's in Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43 verse 4. He says, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and honored. God honors you, and I love you. God's words to us today, allow these words just to wash over you. 1 John 3, 1 says, behold, behold, see, it's visible, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. He's, he's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. What, what kind of love, the, what, what, what incredible quality of love the Father has poured out, lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 31.3, sorry, says, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. God is outside of time. Before you were even conceived in your father, in your, not in your father's womb, sorry, in your mother's womb, 
my word, I need a biology lesson here. Help me, people. <laughs> but at least you were awake. You're awake. But before you were conceived, God knew you. When you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. He formed you. He fashioned you. He knows you. He says, and I've loved you with an everlasting love. Nothing can separate you from that love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing you've done. No, no bad thing you've ever done can separate you from the love of God. And, but why? <laughs> why does God love us? Don't you know how unlovable we can be? And he's like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but he doesn't love us because of what we do. God loves us because of who he is. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God is love. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. His love, it's not just an action. It's the essence. It's who he is. He can't help it. That's who he is. God is love. And you, child of God, are the object of that love. You are the object of God's love. Just think about that. You are the object of God's love. That's who he is. That's who his very core, his very essence, he is love. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you are the object of that love. Turn to your neighbor. Say, God loves you. Now point to yourself and say, God loves me. Say this. I am the object of God's love. I'm the object of God's love. Doesn't that do something for you, hey, Candy? Doesn't that just do something in you? Doesn't it, the knowing that you're the object of God's love, it's not because you're worthy. <laughs> I know what I'm like. Not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it. You know what? I don't even need to jump through hoops to get God's love. He loves me, not because I'm worthy, but because his love makes us worthy. His love makes us worthy. Growing up, I had two main teddy bears. I had two teddy bears. The one was called Bubble. The other one was called Squeak. I had Bubble and Squeak. These were my teddy bears. My Bubble was a bit larger than Squeak, Bubble was about that big, and it was quite a sort of, it was a grayish pink color. And teddy bears in the old days aren't, they weren't cute like you get nowadays. They look very realistic nowadays. You know, those days it was just like, mm, they, they weren't the greatest. But, but this pink uh, bubble, bubble, he was quite a bit bigger than Squeak, and he, was, he had quite a soft texture, whereas Squeak was quite small, and he was dark brown. And, but his, 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 his coat was very spiky. I don't even know why I liked him very much. It wasn't like you could, it wasn't a soft toy. Like nowadays you get soft toys. They're soft. Squeak was scratchy. But I loved him. Now, and neither of them were particularly cute. They weren't sweet. 
you know, and especially as the years moved on, they became a little bit threadbare. You know, they became a little bit one eye got lost. And, and in those days, you'd have to sew these awful, like, eye things on to the teddy. They, they were buttoned. No, they were even like eyes. They were awful. But, um, but yet I loved them. To me, they had great value. They, they were of great value. But if I'd taken them down to a car boot sale, I wouldn't have been able to give them away. Nobody would have wanted them. But to me, I loved them. They had great worth and great value. And it's the same with God's love. God loves you, not because you're worthy. His love makes you worthy. You being an object of God's love makes you worthy. I think we are all kind of scarred, wounded people, and I'm missing. <laughs> well, fortunately, none of us here, although that I was healed in Jesus' name, Johnny. Okay, but um, a little bit threadbare. You know, maybe you've even had the stuffing knocked out of you recently. You know, you've been through a bit of a trial, and you've had a little bit of the stuffing knocked out of you. But God knows everything about you, your past, your present, your future. He knows all the trials you've been through, all the highs, all the lows, all the victories. It's not all been bad. There have been good things that have happened as well. There have been victories. There have been triumphs. There have been highs. We've been on the mountaintop. Hallelujah. But we've also been through the valley. We've had some lows. We've had some failures. We've had some trials. But God knows the scars that we carry, some of them on the outside and some of the wounds that we carry on the inside just as we journey through life. And they might even be recent ones. It doesn't mean this is all historical. Maybe, you know what, stuff happens, eh? Stuff happens. Might seem like you, you might even be in a battle right now. And you might be, feel like you're having the stuffing knocked out of you. If you are going through a struggle, if you are going through a, a battle, if you're going through this season of, uh, of trials and difficulty, I just want to remind you that this is no reflection of God's love. This is not a reflection of God's love. The word says that God loves you and that his love never fails. His love never fails. That, that scripture in 1 John 4 where it says God is love. I touched on this recently, a couple of weeks ago, when we were still going through the, the, the series on... Um, on our values. But that, that scripture, 1 John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Gospel of John, Book of Revelation, these were written by the Apostle John, who was previously known as the son of thunder, this guy that had a bit of a thunderous attitude, the son of thunder, son of Zebedee, son of thunder. And this guy, John, had done nothing to deserve the love of, the love of Jesus. Jesus just saw him and his brother James fishing one day, and he said, come follow me. And so he left. He left his boat, he left his father, and he went fishing with Jesus. And Jesus just loved on him. Jesus just loved on him. But it instead, and, and through, that, through that love, John started to change. You know, for, instead of wanting to call down fire from heaven <laughs> at one time, he became known as the apostle of love. As, as the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. In fact, in the, in the Gospel of John, which he wrote three times, he says, 
the disciple whom Jesus loved. Talk about a little bit of pride there. You know, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who are you? You know, <laughs> he calls himself that three times. And yet, you know what? He wasn't even born again. When he wrote that, when he said that, he wasn't born again yet. He just knew in the flesh, from walking with Jesus in the flesh, he said, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. He, 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 didn't, he hadn't been born again. His spirit hadn't been renewed. You know, if that can happen to a person who just walks with Jesus in the flesh, how much more us that have been born again of the spirit of God and have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. Come on. So regardless of your past, regardless of what people have said about you, regardless of what people have said to you, you, my brother, my sister, are the disciple whom Jesus loved. I want you to repeat that. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. Amen. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. I'm the object of God's love. And his love makes us worthy. His love makes us worthy. You know what? As a result of, of God's great love, I think most of us in this room have, that, have experienced that salvation, that born-again experience means that we are made new. We're a new creature in Christ as a result of his great love. Christ has become the head of my life. He's become the head of your life. The old has gone. The new has come. And I think it's so important. John, the beloved, had an, uh, he had a revelation of how important self-talk is, how important it is. Well, we can walk around and say, well, I'm a worm. You know, God can't love me because I've done X, Y, Z this week. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've got to start talking to ourselves. Our self-talk needs to improve. And it starts with me and everybody else in this room. Our self-talk. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because of God's great love, I am the righteousness of God. Stop calling yourself a failure or somebody who's unworthy, not deserving. You are valuable and precious to God. You are valuable, and, but you need to declare what God says about you. You need to say, I'm the righteousness of God. I am accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted by God. I'm adopted by God. I'm, I'm adopted into his family. My father and my mother may forsake me, but God will never forsake me. Amen. I'm holy. And without blame, don't say it, Sandy. Okay, don't. Okay, I won't say it. I'm holy. I am holy. And you are holy. Child of God, you are holy. And you can be proud. Not proud in a bad sense. I'm holy. God has made you holy in Christ. You are holy. You are spotless, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. I don't have to wander around bearing my sin and my guilt and my shame. No, I am holy without blame before him in love. I'm a joint heir with Christ. This is good stuff. I'm his workmanship, his masterpiece that God 
recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared in advance for me to do. We don't try to do right in order for, to get God to love us. We do because he loves us. Like what Chris said last week, our do follows our who. It's who we are. You know, we don't come in and set up and do all this stuff and those that, that all support us and, and do this stuff. You don't, we don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want to. And it's because of what God has done in our lives. That's why we do it. We do what we do because we are what we are, because we are, we are who we are. So it's important to remember who you are in Christ. It's so important that, he's, that God, because of his great love, he has, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.6, he has made us accepted in the beloved. He's made us accepted in the beloved. God's love has turned us from being this, this vagrant, I don't know how else to explain it, a castaway, an outcast. The Bible says, you know, that we were strangers from the covenant of promise without hope and without God in this world before I got saved, before you got saved. But he's transformed us from being this vagrant, this outcast, to being accepted, loved, adopted, made worthy, made worthy. I just look out at you people today and I just see such jewels in God's in Jesus' crown, that he's pleased with you. He's not trying to harm you. He loves you. And you, he's, he's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. His love, oh, his love is just so awesome. You know, we just recently we've been covering the, the family church values for 12 weeks. We've gone through... This is who we are. This is what we believe in. This is our DNA. This is what we consist of. Today, this is like God's value. We, we're declaring God's value, and his value is you. God values you. He loves you. Isn't that wonderful? That's, if he was to be standing up here in person and say, these are God's values. <laughs> He'd have all the graphics and all this. Don't worry about the graphics. Just... He would say, I love you. That's my, that's my value. You are part of my DNA. That's who you are. It's wonderful. God loves you on your good days as much as he loves you on your bad days. He loves you when you can feel his love, and he loves you when you can't seem to feel his love. And I just want to give a little side thing there about feelings. Feelings are fickle. <laughs> feelings come and go. We walk by faith and not by sight. How do you know that what I'm saying is truth? Faith. We, you believe it because, well, number one, because God says so in his word. Because it's based on the word of God. But we can't go by feelings. We can't sit around saying, I don't feel loved by God today. No, well, then you need, to, you need to go digging into the word and see, well, what does God say? He says, I love you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've loved you outside of time. I love you. Our love, his love is based on who he is, not based on our feelings. 
and he loves you whether or not you think you deserve his love. Yeah, we can't, we can't impress God. We can't make him love us more. He's, he's given everything. And I love, what I love about his love is it's so pure. God's love is so pure. There's no hidden agenda. You know, I know some people think, oh, they're just after your money. No, they're not. <laughs> God doesn't need it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His love is pure. There's no hidden agenda. His hidden agenda is exposed. There's no hidden agenda. He wants you. He wants you for himself. That's all. His love for us is based on who he is. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. This is a beautiful scripture. It says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior... Oh, let's just sit there a little bit. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. He saved us, not because of the good things we've done, but because of his mercy. We need an understanding of the depths of his love. You look at the kindness, the love, and the mercy of God. There are levels in God that we've not even, we've hardly touched the, scratched the surface on the love of God. But we need an understanding. Not just, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to go read 10,000 scriptures and I'm going to get an understanding. No, we need a, like a revelation. Let, let it drop here from our head into our heart. That it becomes... It becomes revelation. It becomes understanding. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing, but in all you're getting, get understanding. It's important that we get understanding. Like, God, why would you love me? It's because of that's who he is. We get an understanding. Ephesians three eighteen. I like this. In the New Living Translation, it says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. He's saying, have the power to understand the love of God. Verse 19 in the New King James says, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That, that we should understand, we need to understand and to know, that, but beyond just head knowledge, beyond head knowledge, in the, in, the, in the New King James, that verse 18 says, may you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, what is the height to know the love of Christ. How wide is God's love? How wide is God's love? You know, I think of Jesus on the cross with his arms outstretched. That's how wide. You know, there's a scripture that says that God's arm is not short, that he cannot save. There's no one outside of his reach. You know, sometimes you can think, man, those people are lost. And, you know, and you, you're probably right. But they're not outside of God's reach. Nobody is outside of God's reach. It's up to each person to respond to him, but there's no one too far gone. There's no one too far gone. We don't understand the mercy of God, the kindness of God. You know, oh, okay, move on. How wide is God's love? How long is his love? 
Where, where did it start and where does it end? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you. I've read it already. I've loved you with an everlasting love. There's no beginning and there's no end to God's love. How high is God's love? How high? Psalm 103.11 says, as high as the mountains, the heavens above. How high as the heavens above? So great is the measure of God's love. As high as the heavens. Where do you get to heaven? You know, how, how far is heaven? You know, you've got that person, what's his name? Elon Musk. Um, he, you know, he goes rocket man. You know, whatever he does, he goes into space. Heaven is beyond that. You know, you can, you can have all the money you want and try and go into a rocket. But how high is God's love? As high as the heavens are above, so great is the measure of God's love. How deep is his love? How deep, oh Lord, how great are your works? Your thoughts are very deep. Psalm 139 says that even if I go into the pit of hell, even if I go there, behold, you are there. Your right hand will lead me. It will pull me out. There's no level, there's no depth too low that God cannot reach. No pit deep enough. Nothing can separate you from his love. I think this psalm encapsulates it all. Psalm 33, verse 22 says, Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I have not even, that was my intro. So, I've run out of time. I really have. But, okay, let me, I'm going to just bring it into an end. But God's love is personal, okay? I think we've, we've realized that today. God's love is personal. You are the object of his love. You are the disciple whom Jesus loves. So his love is personal and his love is pointed. I just want to bring this in to a close. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What faith God has. What faith God has. He says, they've messed up in the, in the garden. Right in the beginning, in the garden, Adam and Eve fell. Jesus said, okay, all right, there will be judgment. There will be judgment, but there's also mercy. I'm going to send my son Jesus in Genesis, right in the beginning of the Bible. God says, I'm going to send my son. He's going to sort this out. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Where was I going with that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What faith God had sending his son Jesus Christ to die for us when, when we were still blaspheming his name or didn't know him, didn't want to know him. But he demonstrates, he shows his love, he proves, he displays it. His love is evident. He doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk all the way to the cross. Greater love is no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. And we see it time and time again throughout the Bible. 
1 John 4, 9 says it like this. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. It's the same script. It's a similar scripture. But in this, the love of God was manifested. It was made clear. It was revealed. God's love has been revealed. God's love has been revealed to us. God's not playing a game of cat and mouse. He's not saying, well, you know, maybe you'll find me. No, no, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. He's not playing hide and seek. His love is obvious. It's evident. It's made manifest. And finally, God's love is persistent. I have to finish this with the scripture. Lamentations 3.22. The steadfast love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. He never runs out of mercy. He never runs out of love. He never runs out of kindness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Psalm 52.8 says, I am like an olive tree. What's an olive tree do? Produces fruit, doesn't it? I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. His unfailing love. You know, even when life is hard, even when, when you're going through a trial, your life can still flourish as you trust in his unfailing love. You are the object of God's love. Allow these words just to wash over you today. Let's just receive from him afresh today. He says, you are precious in my eyes and honored. God honors you today. And I love you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. At the start of the season, at the start of this Christmas season, let's keep this as gold, just pure gold in our hearts, in our lives. Let's keep this the focus. God's love. That's why, that's why Jesus came to this earth. Yeah, we can have, you know, pigs in blankets and all that other stuff, Brussels sprouts, but it's all about God's great love and that you and I are the object of that love. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. <laughs> How can we say thank you, Lord? How do we say thank you? But Lord, we, we, we worship you. We sing songs that we adore you because we do. We adore you, Jesus. We love you. You are worthy. You are worthy of worship. You are worthy of praise. You are good. You are kind. You are merciful. You are love. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that during the season of Christmas, that, Lord, we will just get a revelation, that we will get an understanding of who you are, of your great love for us. Thank you, Lord God, that you held nothing back, that you poured out everything into us, Lord, 
through your son, Jesus. We bless you. We love you, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. We bless your wonderful name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.